We are in a series called Back to Normal. And uh, what we've been talking about is the fact that uh, we're going back to normal, right? I mean, uh, the CDC now says if you can get a vaccine, you don't have to wear a mask and all this kind of stuff. And half of you are like, mask? What's that? Uh, and then the other half is like, well, I'm not going to stop wearing a mask until I, I, it's, I'm in my pine box and then you can take my mask off. Whatever. It doesn't matter. We're, we're, not, we're not about all that. But we want to know what was it like before COVID. And what I'm going to talk to you about um, this morning is uh, going to be extremely personal to you, uh, extremely personal to me, uh, and uh, it's probably going to get a little bit under your skin, um, and uh, as usual, I'm not going to pick on any particular side, right or left, or old or young, or anything. We're all guilty of what I'm going to be talking about, and so uh, when I was preparing this sermon, it turned into two sermons, so this is part one this morning. Uh, we won't spend as much time in Scripture as we will next week. Next week, put on your whatever, utility cap or what do they call those, hard hat. Uh, we're going to be doing some uh, great stuff. But this morning is an intro, and then we're gonna, I'm going to explain to you through Scripture what the problem is. When I was 29 years old, I worked at a company, before I was a pastor, I worked uh, for a business, and I was at that business for 16 years before I became a pastor, and so some of the people in the office would, uh, at different times, all start on a diet together, okay? Now listen, before we get into the diet stuff, I realize that every body type is different. I'm not talking about, you know, being in shape or body. It's just that all of us, every single one of us, I would imagine, at some point or another, either stepped on a scale, looked in a mirror, tried to lift something and couldn't, tried to bend over and tie our shoes and we couldn't, tried a whole bunch of stuff and we decided we were going to make a change. That could be adding something, uh, taking something away. It might not have anything to do with weight. It might just have to do with energy. You realize, man, I just don't have any energy. And it's like, I do when I finish the Snickers bar, but then after that, it kind of goes down from there. It's called blood sugar. Check it out. Um, but I started this thing called the Atkins diet. I, I, for, me, for me, it was I just had extra pounds I wanted to get rid of, and I found out about that time when I was 29, it was like seven years ago, I... Uh, it came out with this Atkins diet. It was a new fad, and here's, here's the thing. This is the only thing I heard. It was a book. You could read the book. If you read, okay, uh, I didn't need to read the book because they had me at bacon. They had me at bacon. In this diet, in this diet, you could eat bacon. Not only could you eat bacon, you were encouraged to eat bacon. And I'm like, this is like, if Jesus actually ate pork, uh, he would have, this would be the Jesus diet. Like, just make me happy. Just, my life is better now. Okay, right? And so you could eat bacon and you could have protein and stuff. It, it kind of was low on the car, carbohydrates and stuff. And this was the beginning of low carb stuff. Remember when I grew up, I don't know when you grew up, but when I grew up, we had the food pyramid, right? Do you remember, guys? Remember uh, more seasoned people, right? Remember the food pyramid? Um, the, the bottom part was basically carbs. Like, that's what you're supposed to eat. Did you know that was funded by the wheat industry? 
I'm not kidding. Check it out. It's on the internet. It must be true. Uh, so you had carbs, and then, you know, at the, at the top was, like, you know, sweets and stuff like that. A little tiny little thing, and then, but carbs was the big thing. Well, that got all turned upside down and all that kind of stuff. And so the Atkins diet. And so I would eat bacon in the morning, and then I'd go to In-N-Out, and I'd get a triple, uh, uh, triple meat, uh, no cheese. Well, I could have one slice of cheese, and then it would be lettuce wrap in that. So, okay, so you're telling me, John, first of all, this is like my jam. You're telling me at 29, you can have bacon and in and out and that's your, that's your diet, right? Well, come to find out, the guy who started the diet died um, of, what was it? Uh, oh, a heart attack, actually. <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up. He died of a heart attack. Go figure. Anyway, so then they came out, you know, now they have the keto diet, if you're into the keto diet. Uh, that has nothing to do with uh, OJ. It's just it's the keto diet, and that's lower carbs. I guess that's keto. Okay, my bad. I got the, the keto diet, and uh, that, there's that one. And then the paleo diet. Okay, you guys heard of this? Am I just, have you not heard of any of these? Because it's like a thing uh, where you eat food from the Paleolithic era. Like, like back... So you're just like, yes, I'd like two pounds of woolly mammoth and uh, saber-toothed tiger. I don't know, what, but it's just meat. Anything you can hunt and gather, eggs and, you know, greens and stuff like that. Um, if you remember, if you've been as old as me, there was uh, the Scarsdale diet. Uh, that was a big thing. The world's best-selling diet book. Uh, he was actually killed by his lover, if you want to know that. This is what happens when you look up diets on the internet. You find out all sorts of stuff. There's the zone diet. Remember that one? That was the 30, 30 40. Well, it must be 30 because there's only 100%. So zone diet, and it had zone bars, and they had the perfect amount of each one. They got the zone, zone one. South Beach diet. Uh, there's that. I don't know what was in that. Margaritas, whatever. Uh, South Beach diet. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but Elizabeth, uh, she, she, Taylor, she did one called Elizabeth Takes Off, and it was her weight loss thing. And then there's this one. I remembered this one, and I looked it up, and it actually, I do remember it. There was the grapefruit diet. I promise you, if all you eat are grapefruits, you will lose weight. One way or the other, you're going to lose weight, okay? So grapefruit diet, uh, there was that one. And then there's the Mediterranean diet, which is, uh, I don't know, you go on strike all the time and then you lose weight. Um, that might be it. That was a bad Greek joke. Okay. You know what's not in any of those diets? As kind of like a thing, like, like there's no cake diet. Now, tomorrow, next week... I know, it's sad, isn't it? How about it, science, <laughs> right? Uh, it's sad that there's no cake diet. Next week, we're having cake at, at the church's birthday party, and so you can have cake. But you know everything about cake. It's not a sin to have cake, right? No, of course not. Well, unless it's devil sweet. No, kid, just joking. <laughs> right? So it's not, it's not a sin to have, uh, to have cake. It's not going to kill you if you have cake. If you have a little slice of cake, you're not just going to like, oh man, I didn't know what happened. I, can't, I used to be able to fit in these clothes, but I had that slice of cake at the church's birthday party, and now I'm huge. You know, of course it doesn't work that way. But we all know, all of us know this, you can't 
sustain a life on cake. Your body was not designed to live off of cake. Now, you're laughing because you're like, John, (laughs) so where's the Bible? We're getting to it, trust me. But you know that. You know that, that what happens when you eat cake, right? For a very short amount of time, you're super happy. And, you, and, you're, and you're with friends, most likely, hopefully. Or you're just alone at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm not judging you, whatever. But you, you, you have your slice of cake, and it's fun, and you eat your cake. And it does boost energy because it's got, it's got uh, sugar in it, right? And so you're, 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 you're... And then there's this kind of fall as your blood sugar changes, or maybe you ate the cake and it wasn't in your diet and now you feel guilty or what have you and now you're starting to feel shame and for anyone who's been in recovery, there's a cycle of shame that happens and all that kind of stuff. But I think we can all agree, if I had to do a show of hands and if you online had to text me or uh, write something on Facebook Live, we would all agree 100%, you cannot sustain a life of cake. Okay, where does this all come from? As cake is to our body, outrage is to our soul. As cake is to our body, outrage is to our soul. You cannot sustain perpetual outrage. Your body was not designed to do it. Your mind was not designed to do it, and your soul was not designed to do it. And what we've learned from COVID, as we all go into our homes, and we all stop interacting in person, and we all get left to our devices, is that we've become, no, our addiction to outrage has been exposed. It's like you step on the scale one morning and you look down and you go, hold on one second. (laughs) Right? You ever done that? You ever done the honey? Do we have any batteries? There's something wrong with the scale. It had an eight in it. It never has an eight. I've never seen an eight. Why? What is that? You step on the scale and you're like, okay, something needs to change. I say to you this morning, I would submit to you this morning, something has to change. And it has to start with the church. It has to start with the church. Now we'll get into the whole thing of like, John, are you telling me not to be upset by injustice? Are you getting, no, 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 no. You can have cake. There, you don't, I'm not saying any, there's anything wrong with cake. What I'm telling you is you cannot sustain a steady diet of cake, and you cannot sustain a steady diet of outrage. And I'm going to take you one step further, hopefully this morning. Hopefully this morning. My only goal for this morning is to just open your eyes a little bit so that when you go home and you reach for that remote control, you're going to ask yourself a question. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? What am I accomplishing? When you sit down at the computer and you're reading emails 
And you're going along, you're reading emails, you're accomplishing stuff. You're doing stuff, maybe you're writing a letter. Oh my goodness. And then all of a sudden, something clicks in your brain. And you go, oh, I'm going to go check on what's happening. Well, I'm going to spend a little bit of time to tell you what's happening to your brain. And then uh, we'll go into some scriptures as to why the Bible warns us so much about this. Uh, As with cake and carbs uh, and food in America, there is a multi, multi, multi multi-billion dollar industry that gives you images and gives you um, uh, ideas about what you should eat and when you should eat and how you should eat. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's commerce. We make lots of money on fries in, in the United States. And again, I'm not, this is not a diet sermon, okay? I'm just telling you that there is an industry behind cake and behind unhealthy behavior. They have it in the alcohol industry. They have it in all these different industries. If they make money, they sit around a boardroom and they sit around and they go, how can we get our Christmas numbers up? How can we get them to eat more fries? How can we get them to drink more soda? How can we get them to get more of this stuff going on? There's an industry for that and there's an industry for outrage. And here they are. I picked the top... I don't know, two, four, six, eight, ten. Yeah, ten. Oh, just so you know, so we're clear, I divided it equally, okay? Okay? Every, it's equal. If you, ca- you count your five, you're like, man, if he puts more of my side, I didn't. I was fair. Five for each one. I did have to look up this dude's name because I thought that was uh, 007, but apparently he's on... He's on the news, so whatever, but he's hated, apparently, according to the internet. So uh, all these people are hated by one group or another, Um, but this, what you're seeing here are not original ideas. These all have uh, writers behind them, okay? I did it a little bit. I just wanted to see who was on whose staff, okay? So, uh, uh, but they, they they all come across like they just had an idea. I was just reading something this week, and so I, they're reading, they're reading a teleprompter that was written for them, and that's what they do, and that's the industry. And I'm not against the industry. I think the industry is great. Fantastic. But make no mistake what they're doing. Their job is to outrage you. And whether you land on this side or this side, um, or, right, or you watch Trevor Noah, who has eight writers, by the way. I know, it comes across like, hey, I'm Trevor Noah, I'm super smart and everything. He is, he's very smart. Uh, I like some of his stuff. But he's got eight writers. They're all writing for him. They're all writing for all of them. It's an industry. It's an industry of outrage. And that's what they're there for. And it's been really, really, really profitable for them this year. They've made a lot of money off of you this year. They've made a lot of money off of me this year, right? So are we going to go back to normal? Or are we going to look and go, listen, I stepped on my outrage scale and I'm 900 pounds. What am I going to do? Next week, we're going to talk about some really practical ways to wean ourselves off of the cake and try to get some more substance into our lives. But... This, so both a formula, whether you're on the right or left, and again, I know whatever side you're on, you're like, not our side. 
We're, we're the right ones. Fine, but it's the same formula. They all have the same formula. And here it is. <laughs> These guys are like, he's lost his mind. Actually, I found my mind, and here it is. And what they're tapping into is what uh, cake actually taps you into, same type of thing. It's called the dopamine reward circuit. And uh, yes, this will get back to the Bible. But what ends up happening, outrage, while it doesn't seem like it would, actually releases dopamine. This is why you like outrage. You say, John, I do not like outrage. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll give it I'll give for the one person here. You got it. Namaste, okay? But our brains are designed to get pleasure out of punishment. It's been wired back however long you think the earth is. I don't care how long you think it is. That's how long it's been in our brains. Because we needed punishment because that's how we as society decided our kind of moral context. And that's what we needed. And so when you would punish something, there's something about feeling morally superior, feeling right. That releases dopamine in your medial prefrontal cortex, in your striatum, all that, all this whole area here. When you, listen, I'm, I'll, I'll pick on, I'm trying to pick on everybody even. So if you click on Fox NN or C Fox or whatever you want to, this fires. And you know what you're looking for? Not that a kid was rescued from a well. That's, that doesn't really, I mean, that's nice and everything. No, 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 you're looking for why Joe Biden shoved a kid in a well. You're looking for why Trump is responsible for all of COVID. Like he probably in a lab made it and then released it from his helicopter. Like that's what you're looking for. Because your brain is looking for that. And there's a whole industry, billions and billions of dollars that's designed to make you click on that because they need your eyeballs. The more you spend time on there, the more advertisers pay them. And again, I'm not, I don't have a tinfoil cap on my head, I promise. I'm not crazy. That's just the way it goes. But here's what your Heavenly Father would tell you because He designed you. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And here's the other thing, and this is just reality. It doesn't work for change. You're not doing anything, and you're not helping. I know it feels that way. When you retweet something, when you comment on something, I know it feels like, it's, like there's something going on. You know what changes stuff? Rosa Parks changes stuff. When the outrage or the injustice actually trickles down to where someone takes a stand. See, outrage doesn't cost you anything. As a matter of fact, all it does is benefit you. You get dopamine. Ta-da! Yay! You got your dopamine fix. It's a loop. That's why, this is why you get your news from an echo chamber. You get it from the same things. Now, you might click on something else, but that's what we call confirmation bias, and that's what 
keeps your dopamine reward circuit going. This is why you hang out with all the people that probably believe what you believe. You read all the things, and when you are excited about getting another news source, and you're super excited about that because you're diversifying, it's basically the same stuff that you heard from the other places because that's how you get your dopamine. But you're not doing anything. There's no justice in it. It's just talking. It's just retweeting. And it's really dangerous. Because you know what it does? It cripples you. Just like cake does. Cake tastes good. And that's great. And you have a little piece of cake. But soon, after more and more and more and more and more, you become immobile. And you can't do anything. See, I... As I mentioned, Rosa Parks, what Rosa Parks did was say, you know what? Now it's going to cost me something. See, we, don't, we tell the story of Rosa Parks, but we don't really understand what a woman of color takes a stand on a bus saying this is not going to be just the white section. It costs her everything. She took her outrage and actually, what do you know? did something, and it began to change. It began to snowball. Imagine if all she did was retweet something. Now again, I know they didn't have Twitter back then, all that stuff. They printed stuff up. They, they did print stuff up, and they, and they retweeted in the way of like flyers. They would retweet those. They'd get those out. But you know what those flyers said? Don't ride the bus anymore. And that strike on buses crippled the system. That's a good use of your dopamine reward system. So, you say, John, where is all this coming? Well, uh, like I said, I'm going to show you this morning why it's so important that we get this down to just put some seeds in there for when you're reading something on the internet and you are going to... Um, uh, retweet it, or here's the worst part. Oh, man, you talk about cake. Okay, I'll just give you a little underbelly of the internet. The worst cake you can eat on the internet. The worst cake. And if you find yourself in it, you're, you stepped on that outrage scale, and you're a 1,000 pounds, is the comments of whatever the article was. If you find yourself in the comments, your comments, you're mainlining cake into your veins. It's the worst place to be, but it is a dopamine hit, isn't it? Oh man, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe that Wake and Bake 420 believes that. Oh my goodness, I don't even know who they are. I don't know any. Oh my goodness, and it's just, oh, it's a flood of dopamine. And when you leave, guess what? You feel sick. Because you haven't really done anything. Here's what the Bible says. And again, please don't miss next week. Now, no matter how angry you are at me or outraged, uh, just post it online. It, you'll, it'll get a lot, I'll probably get fired tomorrow. Here's what the Bible says. Uh, listen to this. Be still before the Lord. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? You say, well, John, well, that's just from the Bible, that's from Psalms, that's a song. I mean, that's just, it's supposed to be calm. No watch. Well, look at the context. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. 
he's, the writer of this psalm isn't talking about nice people. He's talking about the people you don't want to succeed in their ways. And here's, here's what you might, be, you might be saying, but John, we can't let evil people succeed. I agree. I agree. We can't let systems of prejudice and, and, and of injustice succeed. Absolutely. But reading about it and tweeting about it doesn't change anything until it costs you something personally. My job as a pastor, one of the only job descriptions in Scripture, is not to teach you the Bible. It's to equip you for works of service. It's to equip you to do, not to learn, not to become outraged, not to become exposed to things that now you can be, because you're not designed for it. We can't handle the amount. On Monday, I was supposed to be out. I'm not going to go through everything I was supposed to be outraged on. It was a tough week for me because I did spend a lot of time on the internet researching what I'm supposed to be outraged on. Hooey! Okay. Monday, I was supposed to be outraged about something. And I was. I read about it. And I was like, oh, man, this is great. Tuesday, they didn't mention Monday. Tuesday was a whole other thing I was supposed to be outraged about. It was a doozy. Trust me. I'd never vote for that political party if I were you. Wednesday, something else. All three of them were ridiculously heavy. And it's just like, whatever, whatever. Next thing, next thing, next thing. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Watch what it says. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. It only ensnares you. It only entangles you. It only depresses you. Here's another one, Proverbs. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. Oh, my good gracious. Are we not all right in our own eyes? When I like somebody's post... I'm not only right in their eyes, I'm right in my own eyes. I feel good about that. You ever done this? I've done this. I've done everything I'm talking about, by the way. Uh, There was a time in my life I was addicted to outrage, so maybe that's what I'm so passionate about. Uh, You'll post something, okay? This is how crazy our minds are. We post something on an injustice or, or, or something really, really important. And then we go back, not to see if that injustice is still there, not to see if there's been any progress on racism. We want to see how many people like the fact that we didn't like it. And we look at it, and we see a number. And that number, by the way, just so you know, so if you want to read more about this, um, there's a William Brady out of Yale and Molly Crockett. They're two doctors out of Yale. They're doing a big study on uh, the dopamine reward circuit and uh, outrage. So there you go. So William Brady, thank you, doctor. And Molly Crockett, thank you, doctor. That's what they're doing. But she writes that uh, the social reward of likes is unlike any drug there is. There is it's just powerful. A wise man is he or she who listens to wise counsel, listens. Proverbs 12, 16, a fool's anger is known at once. You're tweeting stuff before they've even done an investigation, right? 
But a prudent man conceals dishonor. In other words, a prudent man goes, look, I, I think there's something going on here, prudent woman. I'm not going to respond to you yet until I get everything down first. Proverbs 22, 24 says it this way. This is very strong. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Listen, do not associate with one easily angered. Okay, I'm going to push this a little too far. If there's a talking head on TV that you love to go to every time and all they talk about is outrageous stuff and negative stuff, you have associated with one who's easily angered. They're so easily angered that they hire staff to find things to anger them so they can talk about it. And when we do that, we support them. We're associated with them. Okay. Proverbs, it goes on. What's so bad about that? I'm just watching stuff. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Come on, be honest. Be honest. This last year, have you not? I have. I'm just being honest. I found topics where I've been ensnared. There's nothing I can do about it. It has nothing to do with, I don't live in Portland. I don't know the mayor of Portland. I don't really, other than I have family members who live by Portland and, you know, in Portland, I don't know anything. But I was just like upset about Portland. I was upset about Seattle. I was upset about Missouri. Like, I became ensnared. Nothing I could do. Be careful. Be careful. It's been exposed this year during COVID, our addiction to outrage. Proverbs 14, 29 says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Right? You ever been outraged about something and you found out it was a fake article? You're like, what's the onion? Okay. Well, you just learned something, okay? Right? You ever been angry about, I can't believe this, but there's some level of truth and then you realize, oh, it's not, that wasn't true. Or I forwarded it and somebody said, yeah, that was from 2011. Okay, different president. But one who is quick-tempered displays folly. It goes on. A tranquil heart is life to the body. But passion, and they're not talking about passion like, you know, you love somebody, passion. Passion is rottenness to the bones. You could translate this, a passion without any ability to be able to act upon it. Hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. We're going to end with this out of James, and then we're going to hit James 3 pretty hard right off the bat next week because we're going to try to get some tools under our belt so that when we go back to normal, we, practice, we go back to like normal, like 2005. <laughs> that normal. Okay. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Now this is, the reason we listen to James is not just because he's in the Bible, although that is obviously important, uh, is that James was the half-brother of Jesus. And so he spent his whole life with Jesus. Okay, Jesus was the firstborn, and so James spends his whole life with Jesus. And he actually does ministry with his half-brother, And he believed that his half-brother was the Messiah. 
that his half-brother was the son of God. He believed that his brother died, was buried, and rose again. And this, I know it sounds jokish, but I'm dead serious. If you can convince your brother that you're the Messiah, you probably are the Messiah. You're probably the son of God. And so James, with all this time he spent with Jesus, says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. You guys know this verse. Everyone should be quick to listen. Everyone should be quick to listen. The context of this is not listen to your tribe. Listen to your echo chamber. Listen to your favorites. That's not the context of this. It's be quick to listen to something that might be a little different, that doesn't give you the dopamine hit. Listen. Here, okay. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Find somebody of color if you don't have any friends of color and listen to them. Listen to their story. Find someone who doesn't actually have citizenship in America. Listen to their story. Listen, listen. Listen to somebody of another gender and just say like, well, what is going on? Be quick to do that. You say, John, it sounds like you're just, you're watering down the word. I'm preaching the word. Slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. How slow? As slow as it takes to where you speak out of compassion and gentleness and understanding and not trying to be right, but you're trying to get it right. And then... See, I'm getting angry, and it's slow to be angry. I'm, as I'm preaching, I'm not doing what the word says. And slow to become angry. You say, John, you know, Jesus got angry. He did. He did. And it came at great expense to him. When Jesus got angry, he took a cat of nine tails, right? He, took, he, he fashioned a whip. No, that, that wasn't. He fashioned a whip. I'm sorry. Cat of nine tails was what was done to him. He fashioned a whip and he turned over the tables and they wanted to kill him. He didn't tweet anything. He didn't write anything. He didn't, you know, tell, you know, John, you're writing all this stuff down. Uh, write a nice blog for me and we'll post it tomorrow. And slow to become angry because, listen, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. As the worship band comes back up. So what do you do? We're going to talk about this next week. I'll end with one last verse. It comes right after verse 20. That your anger does not produce the righteousness of God. So what do you do? Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Okay, so right there, you might, you have an idea of what moral filth is and what evil is. And I guarantee you, and you might be right, that what you're digesting during the week is not moral filth and is not evil. That's for either another side or another point of view or whatever, right? So forget that part of the verse. Okay, 
Forget trying to figure out, well, is this evil or is it moral filth or is it whatever? Just, you, I'll let you off the hook because next week we're going to hit this really hard. So forget about that and just follow the second half. Humbly accept the word planted in you. Release the Holy Spirit that's in you, follower of Jesus. Release fruits of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. I won't come down on you for whatever your echo chamber is. Just understand it's an echo chamber. Admit it, okay? But how you doing here? Humbly accept the word implanted, which can save you. So uh, Taylor and the band is gonna sing a final song. And what I'd encourage you to do, those of you online, Reflect. Maybe you're doing great in this. Praise God. You escaped. But there's a culture, we have a culture that is heavily invested in ensnaring you in outrage. Keeping your eyeballs on that stuff. Keeping you engaged. And we're missing out on the Word of God. Which we're going to talk about heavily next week. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, as we look as moving forward and just, God, I pray that we would find places where we can replace outrage for action. As small as it may be. If we're outraged about homelessness, Lord, I pray we just do something for one homeless person. If we're outraged about how immigration is all being handled, can we just have a friend who's not a citizen or figure something out? If we're upset about racial injustice, can we look at ourselves? Can we look around? Can we get to know someone? Can we find out where to go and what to do to do something? Speak to us, Lord God, in your name. All right, why don't we go ahead and stand for the blessing. Now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you'd go in his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you, hopefully, next week.